Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. One of the great things about social media is getting a glimpse into the cheese scenes in far-flung places. While Canada is only a stone's throw from my vantage point here in Seattle, the inner workings are a very different beast in my eyes. That's why I called on my good Canadian friends Aaron Harris and Kelsey Parsons to chat about the climate of Canadian cheese and their new venture called the Canadian Cheese Collective. With only two meetings as of the airing of this episode, the Canadian Cheese Collective brings together those in the business selling cheese in the upper regions of North America. With such a large landmass, it can be hard to build a strong and robust community system, but Aaron and Kelsey are using all of our newfound pandemic tools to build it. We talk about where they're at and where they are hoping to go. Really excited to have my favorite Canadians today. I have Miss Erin Harris and Kelsey Parsons. So let's start with Erin. And can you tell me about your path to cheese? Yes, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, I I started out in the the food world, going to culinary school, and loved it. Um, you know, thought I was going to be a chef forever. And uh, kind of still am. I, I mostly just cook for, for friends and, and myself, but I'm a chef of my own kitchen, uh, which is fun. But at some point, um, kind of decided, no, I don't want to work in professional kitchens for the rest of my career. And uh, the list is long for the reasons as to why, um, you know, over the years, you kind of figure out that a professional kitchen isn't necessarily maybe what you thought it might have been um, you know, when you were dreaming of being a chef in, in culinary school. So anyways, um, after about 10 years um, working in kitchens, I decided that's not it for me. Um, and I started selling cheese at a farmer's market uh, in the summer in London, Ontario, where I'm from, and uh, kind of got addicted to the, the world of selling cheese. There's, there's a bit of a rush that can happen. Um, especially when you realize that people like listening to you talk about cheese and uh, your sales all of a sudden start to grow. And it's like, wow, maybe I'm, maybe I'm good at this. Um, and, and that was about 10 years ago and uh, it's best decision I ever made for myself. Awesome. So what do you, what is your current position? Yes, I have a great job that I probably annoy people about when I tell them how much I love my job and how often I, I talk about that. Um, I get to sell cheese um, for Au Terroir, which is a fine cheese distributor in Canada. We specialize in Canadian cheese and specifically Quebec cheese, um, but we also sell really amazing imported cheeses. Uh, we work with different importers and uh, my customer base is from one side of the country to the other. So I, I have a customer up in the Yukon and uh, PEI and Nova Scotia, Cape Breton Island, all the way back to Victoria, BC, and, and kind of everywhere in between, except for Quebec. That's where our, our warehouse and head office is. And there's a team there that takes care of Quebec. And I'm the contact person for the rest. Awesome. All right, Kelsey, same question. Tell me about your path to cheese. Hi, Janae. Thanks for having us. So my career path cheese started at a farmer's market in Toronto. 
I was shopping for cheese and always buying cheese from the same guy. And then one day he had a sign up saying help wanted. And I was like, that's my dream job. I want to sell cheese. I just didn't know that that was a career opportunity. It's not something that I ever learned about in high school as a possible career path at all. But when I realized that it could be, I just fell in love. And that's, that's what got me started. But uh, after that, I just fell in love with every aspect of cheese. I wanted to learn more and more. And uh, I worked as a cheesemonger at farmer's markets and cheese shops in Toronto. And then I wanted to learn how to make cheese. So I went to Vermont and did their um, cheese making certificate program and came back and made some sheeps and goat milk cheese for a while and then began working at Sobeys. It's a national grocery chain here and worked my way up and I'm now managing uh, and the category manager for cheese for 420 stores across the country. I also manage all of our imports for Sobeys stores across the country too. Wow. Those are some big cheese pants right there. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so you all just started a little project. Can you tell me about that? Like, what is it? What are you guys doing? What's going on with it? For years, Aaron and I have been talking about how we'd love to have a national organization where we can connect with people across the country and learn and grow together. And we've been, we've both been very involved in the American Cheese Society over the years and really love the camaraderie and the togetherness of uh, everybody in the US. But in Canada, we're really challenged by our geography. We're a massive, massive country, but with a pretty small population in comparison to the US. We have the population of California spread out across the second largest country in the world. So meeting up in person is really challenging. And one of the positives of the pandemic has been video conferencing. And we've, we really saw that as an opportunity to connect with people from coast to coast to coast. That's exactly it. We, we just have this desire to um, see some community build within um, those of us who are doing the exact same thing across the country. We're selling cheese. We're running into the same struggles in the cheese industry. You know, we're, we're going through all the holidays together, but really apart. There's, uh, there's just this, this need for um, being able to connect. And so we're trying to fill that need. I had no idea that it was that much of a discrepancy between how many people and how large the country is. I mean, I knew that there were less people in Canada, but like when you put it like the population of California, that's... That's a pretty extreme side-by-side -side there, for sure. Um, so it is called the Canadian Cheese Collective, yes? Correct, yes. Right. And you have had um, a meeting. You've got another one coming up. Um, what more do you, like, what are, what are these look like and what do you have plans for in the future? We have, I think we have so many plans that it's like, where do we even begin? And Kelsey and I have been really excited about like the, the first two meetings that we've planned have, have come together uh, really quickly and quite easily, um, you know, without too much resistance for both of us. And um, yeah, the list is long. We, we want to offer opportunities for people to um, learn more about cheese defects, for example. 
um, maybe have some cheesemakers on a, a call one day and, and talk about, um, you know, just throwing this out there, you know, gray owl is one of those well-known and beloved cheeses um, in Canada. How is it made? What, what uh, goes into the process of um, how exactly that cheese is made? And, uh, you know, um, on our first call, we got to talk with two different cheese producers and talk about their struggles um, through the pandemic, their wins through the pandemic, and, and there's definitely both. Um, you know, we, we learned what's coming next for those producers. And um, yeah, conversations about where do we go next uh, in the cheese industry in Canada. There's so much that we wanna do. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, so one thing that we've been hearing from people across the country is that because of the geographic um, isolation of some communities. A lot of people feel like they're just working on an island and they don't have that connection with other people. So we thought it would be fitting if we interviewed two cheesemakers who are literally on islands. So we spoke with David Wood of uh, Salt Spring Island Cheese, Daniel Wood, I'm sorry, David is father, uh, and Andrea White from Cow's Creamery on Prince Edward Island, and uh, talked a bit about as Aaron said, how the pandemic has affected them, but also their company history, where they're going. And we had people submit questions. So we had all kinds of questions, including like, what would you recommend for like new producers who are starting out? Like, how can we learn from your mistakes? And how can you provide us with some guidance? And it's just opens the doors to some really great conversations and uh, building of a, a community. It's a virtual community right now, but we're really looking forward to our first chance to get together in person, which ironically is probably going to be in the U.S. at the ACS conference in Portland. Ironically, I will say, though, I've sold a lot of that Salt Spring Island cheese because I am not far from Canada. It's only like maybe two hours from here. And I have sold definitely a lot of that stuff and it's delicious. So Excited to see that they were the some of the first you talked to. Um, you both are pretty darn active in the U.S. Uh, cheese scene. Um, outside of geographical issues, what are kind of some of the hurdles, but or um, advantages of the Canadian cheese scene? I guess I'll jump in right now because. <laughs> One thing on my mind right now is the, the price of cheese is, has always been a challenge in Canada. We have uh, one of the highest prices of milk in the world, and uh, therefore it means the price of cheese is some of the highest in the world too. On the upside, farmers are paid well, uh, and we're very thankful for that. And we're able to have much smaller dairy farms than other places in the world. But uh, as of February 1st, the Canadian Dairy Commission increased the price of milk by 8.4%. So when you factor that in with the increase of uh, freight uh, across the country, the increase on packaging and, and labor, it's, it's going to be some pretty major sticker shock, I think, over the next year as customers go to the shelf to buy their cheese. Things are going up by not just a few cents, but a few dollars here and there. So one of the things that I think we need to do as a community is um, make sure that 
we can better communicate the reasons to customers and add value to that. So they're not just buying a piece of cheese, they're buying an experience, they're buying a recipe, they're buying a little piece of history and uh, the, the flavor notes and everything to go with the cheese too. Yeah, I'll just sort of jump in on exactly what Kelsey is saying um, and also expand the, you know, the issues that I'm seeing with working with customers across the country um, and the price of fuel, um, you know, the, the price of containers coming from Europe has absolutely skyrocketed in the pandemic on top of, you know, delay after delay after delay, um, cheese arriving with, with short best before dates on those softies. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the hot topic right now is definitely the 2022 price list uh, for my customers will be releasing in the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be some sticker shock going on across the country. And uh, there's not a whole heck of a lot that we can do um, other than continue to offer, um, you know, the best products we can and the knowledge to back them up. Um, and, and yeah, just communicate with our end customer, the reasons why. Yeah, that's eight, 8% is a, that's a hefty, it's a hefty increase for sure. Um, since we've kind of touched on it a little bit, like, um, how, I mean, obviously COVID is hot topic across the board and we've seen issues everywhere. Um, how has the Canadian cheese scene, um, been really affected by COVID? Um, yeah, I, I've got a couple of interesting uh, things that have kind of come up over the last couple of years. Um, for one thing, uh, there's been a bit of a boom, actually, in uh, cheese shops opening. Um, last summer, I just kept on getting one contact email after another for new shops. Um, hey, we're, we're, you know, we've always wanted to open a gourmet food shop and a cheese shop, and we finally decided to do it. I can't even tell you how many emails I received or phone calls that started out that way. And, uh, you know, it started to become like, wow, can we, how many cheese shops can we um, really have and support? Um, and, and so, you know, we haven't, we haven't crossed over that line of, okay, whoa, too many cheese shops. I don't know if there's ever really such a, a thing as, but um, certainly it's been noticeable how many uh, new cheese shops have popped up in different areas across the country. Um, one interesting side effect of uh, people staying within the country for things like their vacations, their annual vacations, Quebec especially, um, yeah, Quebec love their cheese. They eat a lot of cheese, and especially when they're uh, staying home for that summer vacation, there's not necessarily um, a, an overabundance of cheese for the rest of the country to go around. So we've seen some really, really interesting sales, um, distribution issues, uh, production issues, maybe not able to always keep up with demand. It's been fascinating. I'm seeing very similar things and, you know, similar to uh, what conversations you've had with people in the U.S., like at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a real worry that uh, sales would just drop off. And there was uh, an initial decline, uh, especially in fresh and soft cheeses. But then there was there was a recovery, and people started cooking at home quite a lot more. And you saw like a big increase in uh, cheese for cooking applications. Uh, this time last year, 
there was a massive spike in feta cheese, of course. And thanks, just, TikTok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout so, out to grilled cheese social. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're lapping those sales right now. And that's just one, one example of uh, how people have really embraced cooking with cheese at home. And we've seen an increase in local cheese sales as well, which is just just wonderful. People are really out there supporting their local communities and cheesemakers. I love that. Uh, in my conversation with uh, Rodolphe, we talked about uh, how when the French aren't out spending money, they just they tend to spend their money on food anyway. But when they're not out spending their money, they just end up spending their money on better food. Uh, so I love seeing that trend that people are like willing to drop a little bit more money on nicer food. I know I have, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, what else are you doing on a Friday night when you can't go anywhere? You know, you, you, you probably opened that bottle of wine that you've been thinking about and maybe you found a couple great cheeses to go with it. Yeah. So what is, um, I know that it's probably different in different places, much like the U S but we're kind of at this point where mass mandates are starting to lift and like vaccination requirements are starting to lift. What does that look like for Canada right now? It's similar here. It's, it varies by region, but um, soon enough, we are going to be in the same boat exactly as you are, where masks and uh, proof of vaccination are not required anywhere. So it's, it's scary, but... I'm looking forward to seeing some people, but definitely going to be cautious and take my time because I know we're not through it yet. But, uh, you know, on the upside, I think people are going to be getting getting together and looking forward to sharing some good times with friends. And that always involves a cheese board. To me, at least. <laughs> so I just assume everybody else has a cheese board too. Might not always be the case, but uh, I think people are going to be entertaining with cheese. And uh, I think that's going to be something that brings people together. Yeah. Well, I'm not taking my mask off anytime soon. That's for sure. I still, I just ordered another round of KN95s and they will stay firmly on my face until I feel better about things. <laughs> Even if Washington as a whole says no, but Seattle's exactly. a little bit different because we still, even when they lifted the mask mandate last year, most people in the grocery stores were still wearing them. There was just those random people who were like, Whew, okay, done. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I personally have much intention of um, we not wearing a mask in a, in a heavily populated, populated area, you know, an airplane, um, an airport, a mall or a grocery store or anything like that, you know, a big sporting event, I'm absolutely still wearing my mask, whether there's a mandate or not. Um, but hopefully what this will allow us to do is support restaurants more than we've been able to here in Canada. It's been kind of a nightmare for the entire industry, not just kind of, it, it has been. Um, and a lot of them are going to continue to close if we can't get out there and, and, you know, just that part of our normal life resume, you know, being able to meet up with a friend for um, dinner and not hopefully be terrified that you're going to catch COVID while you're there. I don't know. That's, that's sort of where my head's at right now. We have to keep that tiny bit of hope that things are getting better because <laughs> it's been a long slog this last couple of years for sure. So with the collective that you guys are building, what are you guys hoping for, for the future of Canadian cheese? 
So we're hoping to build community and learn and grow together. We're really hyper-focused on uh, retailers and mongers, but it's open to everybody in the cheese industry in Canada. And we, we just want to build connection. And by doing so, um, we're, we're approaching it with the, the philosophy that a rising tide raises all ships. And by learning and growing together, it's just going to improve the, the quality of service, the level of knowledge, the quality of cheese, and it'll be more fun because we're, we're all working together instead of against each other and seeing each other as competition. And we both see that as the model in the U.S., we want to replicate that in Canada too. Yeah, and, and one um, thing that I'm personally excited about with the collective is um, hopefully the ability to have some guest speakers from around the world uh, join us for specialized calls. I kind of think about it like, you know, a lot of people in Canada don't travel to the American Cheese Society Conference or, you know, heaven forbid, it's not available. Um, you know, we can't gather in large groups. I, I certainly hope that's not the case, but um, moving forward, you know, kind of like building out that kind of programming um, that might be part of a conference, but be able to offer sort of deep dive sessions um, as a monthly topic. Uh, you know, Carlos Yeskes, for example, is a friend of both Kelsey and I, we both um, think very highly of Carlos and we're both looking forward to hopefully being able to have Carlos on a call one day and talk to us about um, what makes raw milk cheese, um, you know, unique and special and, and why we need to protect it and all those things. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we're hoping with this. The other thing I'd add is right now, Aaron and I are trying to um, have some topics that are relatable to everybody. They're very general and broad. So the first one was interviewing a couple of cheesemakers. Second one is interviewing a couple of cheese retailers, cheesemongers. And then from there, we really want it to be driven by the collective, by everybody involved. We, we plan to put out a survey and get a better understanding of who everybody is and what they need and what they want. Because it's, it's not about Aaron and I, it's about the industry as a whole and doing what's best for everybody. So I noticed after, well, I noticed from the social media of the picture that you guys posted about the Zoom meeting or whatever, you had like upwards of 50 people that joined on to that first call, which is a fantastic turnout. Um, I'm just kind of trying to get a picture of like how many people are really kind of in the Canadian cheese world, I guess. We're also trying to get a picture of that. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, on our first call, we were just so thrilled to have 65 people join, and we're confident that the next call is going to have over 100 people. Um, funny enough, the biggest challenge for us so far has just been sending emails. We sent our first batch of emails through Gmail, and they, Gmail doesn't like it when you email 100 people at once. So we're working on that, and we know that there is just a, a lot of people who didn't attend the first uh, session because they didn't know about it. So we're super excited to see those numbers grow and connect with more and more people across the country. Is there anything in particular that you guys want people to know um, concerning the collective or how can people get in touch with you so they can maybe join on the next calls? 
Yeah, so we are still sticking with Gmail, <laughs> even though uh, the first round didn't go exactly as planned, but it is uh, Canadian Cheese Collective at gmail.com. Um, we are also at Canadian Cheese Collective on Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, we are, we are totally there for anybody working in the business of cheese, whether it's, you know, farmers who are producing beautiful milk and tending to their animals to uh, cheesemakers and distribution and, you know, the end monger, the, the retail shop owner. Um, chefs that have a particular um, use for cheese on their on their menus and want to learn more. All of those people are welcome. Uh, the thing I was going to ask was, are you guys recording them so people can, are you guys building out a website so you can like hold the videos somewhere that people will be able to look into them later? At this point, we just, uh, we can provide a link to people that are interested, but We'll see where it goes as it evolves. I, I think it's really based on what the community wants. And at, at one point, maybe we'll need an archive so people can go back and watch some older uh, sessions. The other thing I add is this is a completely volunteer-driven organization with Aaron and I. We're not paid at all. We're not in it to ever make money. Um, in fact, like we're covering all expenses right now and we we're trying to keep it as accessible as possible for people. So we don't want people to uh, have to pay to uh, join or anything. Um, it may change down the road, but right now we just want to keep it as easy and simple as possible for everybody and to make sure that there's no obstacles to people joining. Yeah, the only thing that we've really discussed in terms of uh, payment at this point is, um, you know, if we have a, a special session planned where there's a guest speaker, um, somebody who really specializes in something, and um, of course, we would want to pay that person for their time. Um, and, you know, Zoom is incredible. What did we do without before Zoom? Like, like Zoom has really revolutionized um, the pandemic life. <laughs> And, and so, you know, you can do paid sessions through Zoom, paid events uh, pretty easily. And so that may be something that we, we look at at some point. Um, but Kelsey and I have both sort of said right from the get-go that we're willing to both work together and, and you know, give of our own time um, to make this happen. So long as there's an interest and a buy-in from the community, you know, the more people buy in, the more Kelsey and I are going to give to this, I think. That's, that's sort of the way we're moving forward. Awesome. I mean, obviously as a part of ACS, this is, that whole thing is mostly a volunteer run organization too. So I am all for giving to the cheese world. I love it. Um, okay. So I have some quick fire questions that I ask everybody. Um, and the first question is what is your current cheese crush? Oh man. What are, it's, you know, does anybody come on here and go, yeah, that's a super easy question to answer. Some <laughs> people know. do. Maybe. Some people do. Mm. Um, well, lucky me. I just spent a, a week in glorious California um, sampling delicious uh, California made cheeses. And, you know, I probably should, I should probably just name a Canadian cheese just, you know, for, for the whole Canadian cheese collective thing. But 
Um, okay, how about that? I won't, I won't name a Canadian or an American. What I'm gonna tell you is that I have been crushing on Rudolf Lemignard Burr de Barat uh, that I scored a couple of sweet deals on at uh, Whole Foods in Malibu. <laughs> um, and like every morning I've been waking up and putting that butter on my toast and it's just like, hello, <laughs> good morning. I saw it's that deal and was so like, man, good. you you scored a cheap, cheap deal on that. Whew. I know. I'm enjoying it to the max. So it's not a cheese crush. It's, it's a butter crush. Same, same <laughs> in my world anyway. <laughs> so for me, it's a cheese called Wildwood. It's a locally produced cheese made in St. Mary's, Ontario here. It's styled after Appenzeller and made from unpasteurized milk. And it's made by uh, this cheesemaker, Ramon, who is a fantastic cheesemaker. He actually grew up on uh, an Emmental um, cheese, in an Emmental cheese plant in Switzerland. Uh, his family is a cheesemaker, or they're all, all cheesemakers. And he grew up making cheese there and brought his passion and knowledge to Southern Ontario and is just making some fantastic cheese at Stonetown Cheese. Awesome. I love it. All right. Next one. Favorite cheese pairing. Ooh, that is tough. And sorry, I made um, this like easier on Kelsey because he has time to think about it. And Aaron, you're in the hot seat. Sorry about it. Yeah, that's okay. No, I'm, uh, I'm working on a, a pairing right now. Actually, I'm, I'm pairing Parmigiano with cocktails and, uh, and we're actually not doing a cocktail for the first one. We're putting it with Lambrusco. If you've ever had, or if you've never had, either way, Lambrusco with Parmigiano is a pretty spectacular match. And Lambrusco, for those of uh, you out there that don't know, you need to know, it's a, a sparkling red wine that's a little bit sweet. Uh, sometimes they can run a little too sweet, but that's also part of what that pairing, what makes it so special. It's the combination of the sweet and salty Parmigiano, a little bit creamy, the crunchy crystals. It's like match made in heaven. Delightful. And I'm a big fan of the, the classic aged Gouda and a whiskey and scotch combo. That's just, just hits all the right notes for me. Caramely and smoky and yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So top food memory. So maybe not necessarily like a time you were eating, but maybe, you know, if you cooked with your mother or your grandmother, anything like that, any just like food related memory. All right. I'm going to go big for this one. Cause it's just like, I don't know how you top this food memory in fact, but it is definitely the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, breakfast in the Alps, uh, outside of Gruyere, um, Alpes Molaison and, uh, with the family who was showing us how they made Gruyere, um, over wood fire in a copper kettle and it's, uh, you know, freshly made sourdough bread with creme de gruyere, the, the, the thick cream uh, that they pull from the milk and homemade apricot jam. I mean, come on. Yes, of course, there's like a massive wedge of gruyere on the table as well. And, you know, you, you, you take slices off of it and you can smell the wood fire in the background. And, and you know, you look out the window and it's the, the Swiss Alps. Like, is there is this heaven on earth? Is there anything better? <laughs> I'm not sure. 
Sounds like a dream sweet sequence. Like seriously. (laughs) That's where I go when I need to like calm down and, you know, have a Zen moment in my life. I I go back to that Alp, you know, smearing the cream on the fresh sourdough with the apricot jam. It's just sublime. For me, it's also in a, in another country and uh, in Mexico, in uh, the state of Jalisco. I visited uh, a farmer there where uh, um, some friends would get some raw milk from. And it was my first time ever milking a cow. And I got to have some fresh milk, just like in a cup straight from the udder. And it was just warm and so flavorful. And the, the farmer made some panela cheese right in front of us. And it's a very simple, fresh cheese. You use fresh raw milk and a, a bit of rennet and uh, it sets fairly quickly and you can just slice it into chunks and eat it with bread. And it was just such a delicious, memorable, memorable moment. And it, it'll just like always live with me as a, a really special food moment. Yeah, those both sound like a dream sequence. Like you guys both took me there. I'm like, I'm in Mexico. I'm in the Alps. I am, I am there eating cheese. I love it. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you guys really want to make sure that you get across to people? I'd say uh, a little sneak peek of our second session. Uh, we're going to be speaking with a couple of cheesemakers, or sorry, cheesemongers from across the country. So I'm going to be chatting with Alison Spurl from Lazy Du Fromage out in Vancouver. And uh, she's been in the cheese industry since 1987 when she began uh, selling cheese with her mom at a cheese shop. So she's a, a real cheese pioneer in Canada. And uh, Alex, is, sorry, Erin uh, is going to be speaking with Alex. So let you uh, chat further. Yeah, we've got Alex Porras, who has been working with Fromagerie Hamel in Montreal, um, off and on since about 2007. And he's had some some different roles while he's worked for them. Um, but I think, you know, his current role is so cool. Um, he's spending, you know, about 50% of his time mongering, of course, still on, on the floor, selling cheese um, a little bit every day or maybe every other day, something like that. Uh, and he's a senior cheesemonger on the staff there. Um, but he also, he recently pub, uh, authored um, a manual, a proprietary information manual on, uh, for Fromagerie Hamel on how to be an amazing monger, how to monger. Um, everything that goes into the art of being a cheesemonger it, like came out of his brain and into this book. And uh, I think it took him quite a while to really perfect it, but he's now getting to use that manual uh, to train and educate all of the cheesemongers at all six of their locations around Montreal. And, you know, their, their motto is to be the absolute best cheese store, um, you know, retail locations, uh, in the world. Really? That is, that is their, their goal is it's really up there. And these are the ways you do that. You know, you just, you continue to, to, uh, push forward and demand excellence from yourself and from your staff and, um, educate educate, you know, he's doing it. And so we are, we are so excited to talk to Alex. Uh, He's got a lot of information uh, that he's willing to share, which is pretty cool. Wow. An amazing thing to be a part of. So all you Canadian uh, cheese people get involved, get in there, 
go learn some stuff. Um, so thank you guys for so much for coming and talking to me about this. And I am really excited to see where this goes. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Janae. This is an honor for sure. Thank you so much, Janae. It's so great to see you and speak with you today. I'm so fortunate to have these fierce cheese advocates in my cheese world, and I'm so excited to watch as they build and strengthen their Canadian cheese community. Thank you, Aaron and Kelsey, for all of the work that you continue to bring to the world of cheese. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram, Facebook, or get more content at Patreon. My website is also a great hub for all of my goings-on. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curd.